Hey everyone, there was a little bit of strange things going on with Eric's microphone in this episode. Hopefully you can put up with it and still get something out of it. This is Season 2, Episode 8 of Mastering the RPG, a tabletop RPG podcast all about upping your game. Doesn't matter if you're a game master or a player, you'll find advice, ideas, and some strong opinions. Our episode tonight, Leveraging Narrative Breaks, or, hey, you remember that time at Bandcamp? Hey everyone, welcome to Mastering the RPG. As I said, we're a tabletop RPG podcast. Um, we're all about giving you advice, cool stuff found, opinions, answering your questions. I'm Carl with my co-host Eric today, and you can find information about us at masteringtherpg.com, or you can send us email, feedback, questions, anything to gamemaster at masteringtherpg.com. Um, both of those are one word. So, hey, it's good to have Eric back on the mic. Hey, Eric, how you doing? I'm doing okay. How are you, Carl? I am actually uh, doing doing very well. I wish, uh, where I live, I wish the weather was getting over past the 40s. It's supposed to be spring, but otherwise we're, <laughs> we're doing okay. <laughs> I mean, it's already too hot here, so uh, it, it's always greener, yeah, right? grass is always greener. Yep, yep. So, hey, tonight... We're going to uh, start off with a cool stuff found. We have cool stuff found. Do you copy? Cool stuff found. Over. All right, we have a cool stuff found from Eric tonight. Eric, tell us a little bit about um, what you what you found for us. Well, tonight I found this is another uh, board game edition of board cool games. stuff. Found. Board games, <laughs> board games. Um, this one I would say is much more way to pr- properly say this tangentially uh, uh, related to RPGs. I, I it's much more it, it's much yeah it's a much bigger stretch kind of between these and the ones that I've shown before. But I do think that this is a really really good way to cultivate um, narrative and storytelling thinking kind of to stretch that muscle, not as much role-playing, but kind of almost narrative um, and using your imagination. So the game I'm talking about tonight is, or today is Dixit, which some people might've heard of. It's, I think, I believe it's a French game uh, made by Asmodee games. It's a party game. Um, It's, it's, it's relatively simple and it's, it's sort of similar to not really, but like, I, I mean, you, comparisons to like apples and apples or whatever and uh kind of card games against humanity in the way that it's structured but it's nothing like that and it's a million times better than that game anyways let's get into what it is so uh the the basic premise is there's it's it's not that much like actual components there's mainly just these cards and on the cards are these this wide range i'm gonna show carl here of all different types of images um, that just like really run the gamut of, I mean, it's mostly in kind of a modern style, but they're, but they're very like, some of them are ethereal. Some of them are very like abstract. So they just run a huge gambit and there's several different, um, not additions is in the right word, but like there's like, there's a bunch of different ones you can buy and they just add more cards. But basically is you, you have one person who's the kind of dedicated, the active player for the round, and they they have a hand. Everybody has a hand of these cards. They choose one of their cards, um, and then they, they say a clue. The clue can be like a single word. It can be sounds. It can be a bunch of words, like a sentence. It can be something from like a poem. 
Um, it can be kind of anything that you can think of. So they say this clue, and then um, everybody else who's not the active player, they, they also have their own hand of cards, and they choose one of their cards from their hand that they think best matches that clue, and they put it face down. And then all the cards, including the active player's cards, get kind of mixed up, and then they're put um, like they're, they're, they're put face up, and then everybody has these little like tokens with numbers on them, and they and they put them face down, and that's who, they're basically voting on whose card they think is the original active player's card. And uh, once everybody's tokens are down, they flip them up, and um, and then and then they're they're put on the card, right? And then so you think, okay, well, it, I mean, so why doesn't the active player just say the most literal kind of clue that they can to make sure that they get all the the votes, basically? There's a really interesting twist with the way they the, they do the scoring and they reveal the votes. So if all of the players find that active player's cards, then only the other players get points. So the active player does not get points if everybody guessed it was their card. If nobody guessed the active player, then the active player again gets no points. And then the other players get two points, plus they get bonus points if somebody votes on their card. And then the final way is if at least one player but not all of the players have voted uh, for the active player's card. Then the active player gets three points, and the players who have found the right card get three points, and they also get bonus points for people on their card. I know that's a little confusing, but but the trick there is, is that because if you you as the active player you don't get any points um, if everybody guesses your card, and you don't get any points if no one guesses your card. Then it really you really have to make a clue that's like that is that will make people think it's your card, but not give it away too much. Huh. So you want to make it like sort of poetic or like a little obscure. And it, it really, really, really does stretch that narrative storytelling muscle in your brain. Um, and other people are also creative of how they put the card down. So it, it, it's a really, really cool, fun and quick um, kind of party game, like I said. And as it's not really related to RPGs directly, but as I said, it's, uh, it, it really does push that part of, of like using your imagination and like, okay, looking at this card, what can I have extrapolate from this and kind of using that muscle that we, that we use in tabletop games. The other, the other th really cool thing about this is that it's one of the very few games that I truly believe is good to play with people of all ages. Like I've played this game at like a, a family thing where it was like really young people, really old people, middle-aged people, people in their 20s, and everybody could kind of play on like a relatively even uh, playing ground, you know, like level field, basically. So it, it kind of, it scratches that itch too. So this is really good to play if you have, you know, young players who are interested in tabletop games. And so it's just kind of fun to like, maybe to just start off, you know, before you play or whatever, just to get those like juices moving. So you know, does this all make sense why I think it's kind of related or uh, sure. are you getting my I'm, vibe I'm, here that I'm throwing I'm out? I'm getting okay. what you're throwing down. <laughs> I'm picking it up. Yeah. So yeah, that's, uh, <laughs> so more that makes a lot of sense. See, really cool ethereal kind of fantastical card eric is so, showing me the cards yeah. they look they look very nice um it's very cool nice art um if only you could see it you would enjoy it as well so it's it's <laughs> well look it up dixit uh it's been around forever there you could probably get them used so yeah sounds good all right so it's interesting how you have a game that uh helps kind of stretch your narrative muscle a little bit even you know as you're as you're playing something like that because that's what we want to talk about in our main topic. All right, welcome to the main topic. So tonight we are talking about 
using what we're calling narrative breaks uh, in your RPG. Now, you might be asking, what exactly is that? Eric, tell us, what is a narrative break in an RPG? And uh, what is it not? <laughs> <laughs> well, so a narrative break, so me and Carl, like what we first think of as interludes because we play a lot of Savage Worlds. That's what they call their, their kind of system. And I like that name better, but narrative breaks is more generic. But basically it's a, you know, in in character time, it's relatively short. It's a short um, break in the either action of whatever it is, usually travel, but it can be for a lot of things that we'll talk about, where the the a player has a chance to reflect or to like have their turn in, in like saying a story of some sort, and that can be a variety of different things that we'll also talk about. So they're they're very very short and concise breaks between the action, basically, where you do some. Kind of like single player. This is not role playing where generally people are talking amongst each other. It's kind of one player uh, role playing. Yeah, it's kind, of, it's stuff, kind of you think yeah. about you know sitting around. Uh, this isn't the only way to do it, but you know you're sitting around a fire. Yeah. You know, telling a little bit story about yourself or about your travels or about um, something. What isn't it though? What is it not that we're not going to <laughs> get into? Well. We, we, we're not talking about downtime. And I think exactly. those things can often get uh, confused or uh, related. But, you know, downtime is one of the things that, while it's similar, I, I personally feel it's it's less role play-ish, right? It's still kind of narrative because they're often abstract. But it also, in-game, it takes the longest amount of time out of anything. I mean, that's when you have, like, uh, I'm, I'm working at this whatever for a month or something. Or I'm learning new spells for a month. Uh, when we're talking about narrative breaks, these are really short. These are like, and they're, like and they're like within kind of often within an uh, ongoing kind of adventure path in the sense of as things are yeah. happening, there's a lull in the action. Um, you know, it could be like you said, I've gotten done with a scene, heavy combat, and now I'm traveling somewhere else. And I might have an interlude during those travels and have some conversation um, or this narrative break in the action Versus downtime, which is tends to be between adventures where somebody's trying to do something heavy, like yeah. I want to craft a magic item or I want to buy a tavern and, and work my my fields or whatever, and and there's something <laughs> that there's something mechanically that comes from that that effort. Of course, all games have carousing. Apparently, that's an important thing for downtime. But anyway, definitely. Uh, <laughs> so, but but. Narrative breaks or interludes, and I agree. To, I like the name interludes. Um, is is a different is a different beast. So uh, so that's that's kind of what we're talking about. That's that's kind of the difference between those. So the question then you might ask yourself is why would I want to do that? What are the benefits to the to the game to have this short break between the action where where players are you know. Uh, telling stories or, or, you know, um, making a yarn. Um, so I personally, Oh yeah. I mean, Oh, okay, no, on. no, no. Yeah. It, uh, I, I personally think it's just an opportunity to explore a character's more of their backstory or give them a chance to role play out something that generally may not come up in when we're going between combat and we're talking, um, back and forth in, in the adventure, there's things that the player might want to get out, might want to role play through a little bit of, you know, why they are, who they are and, and interesting things from their past that just won't come up in general. I think it's a great 
opportunity to let people role play out some of that, uh, some of that things that that might be interesting about them that might not just generally come up. Yeah, I absolutely agree, and I think that's. I mean, more, there, there's a lot of ways you can do with interludes, but I, yeah, one of the big ones is the the backstory, um, talking about their backstory, and as you said, uh, this is something that I've seen in a lot of games where even in role play heavy games, it's hard for backstories to come up because you really have to. Um, you, you have to almost as another character have to ask them about things. And it's, it's always kind of a weird, it always feels like you're kind of interrupting or disrupting the, the flow of the game when you do it that way, unless it's really natural. But I find that doesn't happen. So like, as you said, this is a really good chance for people's kind of maybe some of their backstory to come out um, where it might not, where, and, you, and you have space for it, that, that it feels right too. It feels thematically correct. Uh, <laughs> right, another right. reason why I think you should definitely have it is because travel I mean, most of the time when you think of narrative breaks interludes, people think of travel. But I think it's almost more important for combat, especially like dungeon crawl combats, because, you know, variety is the spice of life. And uh, people get tired of combat after combat after combat. When you have interludes and you utilize them effectively, it makes the other kind of pillars of play just much better because you take a break. It, it's funny that we, when we play these games, right, and same something like, like D&D and 5e, you know, that has like short rests, right? And so your characters, and they have this in other games too, different, they call it different names and different functions, but a short rest, right? Where your characters are taking that break, that small break. But then the players themselves aren't really taking a break. Like you do your short rest, you might talk it for a second, and then you're on to like kind of the next combat. So much like the characters, it's good for the players to have a little rest from the whatever the main thing is, like combat, because then it will make... It, it breaks up that tension. So when you come back to another combat, it's not just like you're just an endless log. You, you've kind of had that chance to take a little breath and then you come into it fresher. It's more exciting when you come back into it. So I just think it's such a really, really important that often gets overlooked tool for for kind of breaking up the action effectively and, and for really making those, you know, long drawn out scenes, whether it be travel, whether it be expert, like, expiration of like a dungeon crawl whether it be combats um it, it just kind of it's like spice it, it like adds to the main dish a lot you know it's like umami but, but we talk so, about yeah, yeah. We, and we talk about like in horror games all the time right that you just can't keep that same intensity up there has to be yeah. an emotional release and i think interludes exactly give that kind of emotional release from the high intensity of the adventure um that that's going on, uh, you know, regardless of the genre, right there, you're, you're in yeah. the middle and really trying to figure it out. And, and one of these narrative breaks can help kind of break that up. You get to have a chance to talk a little bit, um, you know, and then other players get a chance to listen. So they're not, they don't have to be, what's my player character going to do next? What's it going to do? No, I just sit and listen. Yeah. Let me hear about your, that, you know, as you regale me of a tale of past successes, or whatever, you know. So, uh, yeah, I totally agree with that as a, as a as a great reason to have them. And then, and I think you brought up my my third thing. In my mind is that it really can show a spotlight on a player, especially a player who might not be as active in the role playing or might not speak as much. So, it's a really really good way to to actually put the spotlight on someone. Uh, and th they might be uncomfortable if they're one of the people that are really not comfortable with having that spotlight, like. Um, on them, but there's ways that I think we we can talk about later where it makes it easier, and and we'll be talking about rewards and stuff. So so it's a really good way to also to share the spotlight around as a GM. It's it's maybe a little heavy handed that way, but I think it's still effective that way. Um, 
because like you said, you, the other people are just listening. I mean, they might ask some questions, but it's, it's really about this one person and about what they're kind of saying. And they have the chance to be the storyteller for the small bit of time. So um, it also gives the GM a break. <laughs> if you're thinking yeah. about it, it gives the GM a break too. So yeah. Yeah, right. Especially if you, if you do have folks who are, uh, they're not role-playing back and forth with each other too much and, and they just want to yeah. role-play with the game master and the NPCs, then um, you definitely could use a break where it's on someone else's shoulder. Or if they, take or, or, or if they're people that are, that, that maybe don't know how to, to as much and, you know, they're just like more used to being in combat. So it's a good way to encourage role-playing too, I think, because, because you're making, you're making such a, like a kind of, not sterile environment, but you're making such like a, here, this is your soapbox to stand on. Like, here's what I want from you. Like, you know, and then they can, they can do it. So it's kind of, your you're kind of giving them the, the framework to role play in. Yeah. And, and for folks like that, um, who are a little, you know, maybe still a little shy in a sense, the fact that these mechanics, and we'll talk about the mechanics do, you know, help focus. They say, Hey, here's something you can do. Sometimes it's easier to be creative within some boundaries you know, tell me about a time that X and then they can go to their backstory and it's something they already know and they already, they're not coming up with it on the cuff necessarily. They're, they can um, leverage what they've already written in that regard. So um, excellent, excellent. Um, so lots of lots of good reasons to have um, a narrative break. Uh, so why don't we talk a little bit about then like, how do we facilitate it then? What what are the mechanics behind it? Now, this this topic was, I'll say, inspired. The fact that um, both Eric and I play Savage Worlds a lot, and Savage Worlds literally has a rule called interludes, which is all about this narrative break. And um, not all games have that, right? So, um, so let's talk a little bit about um, how mechanics could facilitate this, and we certainly can lean upon uh, Savage Worlds if we want to. So um, Eric, did you want to kind of start talking a little bit about how the mechanics might affect or impact this? Do you want to talk about how Savage Worlds does it? Yeah, or... we might as well start with Savage Worlds, okay. for sure. Yeah, I mean, I, I think Savage Worlds has one of the, the kind of best frameworks, and it really is a framework. Um, you can either do it as like strict, in a sense, or you can be looser with it. But basically, um, uh, they have one page about this, and um, uh, the big thing here is that you want to reward a player. And th I think this is, no matter how you do it, it's good to have some type of reward. Obviously, Savage Worlds has bennies, which are 5e, the same as pretty much kind of like inspiration. So a lot of games have these meta currencies. Um, if your game doesn't, you can still reward them with, you know, your own inspiration thing. Yeah, bonus on a roll coming up or something. Um, yeah, sure. Yeah, some type of just a little bonus or a re-roll, something like that. You, you, you know, there's always a way to make something like that. And I think it's really, really important to give rewards for these things. Um, but basically, Salvatore does it where... Um, uh, they use a, a deck of cards. So if you want to use a Savage World, you can pretty much use it for any game because most people have a deck of cards, right? And um, uh, basically you pull um, a card out and depending on the suit is, they have like a bunch of different, each suit has three types of interludes. There's downtime, backstory, and trek. Um, and then each suit, they, well, they have like, each of them have those three things on each suit. They They talk about it a little differently. So like, uh, in in the spades, right? Um, their backstory one is a great victory or personal triumph. 
For diamond, it's something your hero wants or already has. It might be a material possession, recognition, or political goal. So it, they're using these like general concepts and then they're kind of being more specific where like say with Hearts Trek, it's how the party endured a trying hardship on the journey. Or in clubs, it's a hardship the party overcame on their trip, the tragic death of a favorite extra, spoiled or lost supply. So they, they basically have, um, uh, <laughs> space out a little bit, uh, 12, <laughs> 12 different versions here. And I, I definitely think, well, you can, you know, pull the card and be like, okay, what, what are we on? Or like, is this downtime? Is this backstory? I think you can take this much looser where you can pull one of the cards and then have the character pick for, a player pick from it. Um, you can just say, hey, pick one of these. Just just to give an example. I really don't think you should ever, I personally don't believe you should ever be so strict with it because sometimes the player might be, unless the player needs it, right, Carl? Like that's the kind of the pro and the con of, of having more mechanics here is that sometimes somebody might struggle with the specific one that you've given them where other people might struggle with not having any framework. Right, so you, right. you kind of could just ask the player like, hey, do you want me to pull a card and read it or do you want to like just choose one? You know, um, so the mechanics can definitely help uh, regardless, but whether you are strict with it or not, I think is a player by player thing. Uh, the other way that you can go about this is just be like, hey, everybody's around the fire. Like, did somebody want to like talk or did somebody want to, was it, you give the opportunity that somebody has the chance to then, you know, do you, did you want to speak to somebody about an issue you've been facing or, um, hey, you guys are drinking and then the topic of your backstory, like, you know, you as the, the game master might like throw out a little toke, a uh, little, um, little bit of flavor from somebody's backstory to kind of talk about. Hey, would you have would this come up? You tell that player, you know, and they might kind of go from that. So as the game master, you can either use a very strict one like this, or you can go a little bit more loose and like pull from their backstory. Uh, Carl, what are your thoughts on any other? Well, mechanics yeah, or, I think yeah. Um, you're you're hitting it on uh, one of the things that I like about the interludes as far as the framework goes. As you said, there's they, they represent there's three kind of pieces downtime what do you do when you're left alone backstory a tale of the character's past and then trek a story about an obstacle or challenge and then pulling the cards you kind of get a different take on each one of those what i like about this as a framework is this could be used there's not a lot here like you said there's 12 different items you could very easily tailor this to any campaign or genre that yeah. you might want to tweak it, right? So you can talk about, like, on hearts and interludes for backstory, a tale of a hero's greatest love, lost, found, present, waiting back home. If that doesn't make sense and you're in, like, a post-apocalypse <laughs> world or something, you might you know, might say a tale of, you know, somebody a hero's lost to the great, you know, flood one of, of... One of their parents or their, one of their siblings. Yeah, or, yeah. yeah. And, and but you could kind of tie that in, and it's really, there's just 12... It's like story prompts, right? There's yeah. 12 story prompts in these three different areas. And by drawing the card and knowing what you're working towards, you know, whether you're on a trek or not, you can very easily um, just have something that somebody can use as a framework to build out a story um, to tell. And I think that's pretty cool. And but I and I think, Eric, you were spot on. There has to be some reward to... To do this, I mean, people enjoy doing role playing anyway. Otherwise, we wouldn't play the game. But it's always fun to know that if I do this, there's there's a carrot out there that I can yeah. that I, I'm going to get. And again, like you said, in Savage Worlds, that's the Benny, which is kind of the ultimate currency. And other games have other 
mechanisms that you can use. So there's always something that you can dangle in front of the player that gives them, you know, the, the, the reason they really want to do a good job on this. Um, but of course there's no judge, right? You're not judging whether they do a good enough job. They're just, you know, whatever they do is what they do. Yeah. Yeah, And that's the fact that they're doing it. That's the important part. So we don't want to be judgmental. That's the most important thing. It's not having judgment because, um, but yeah, on, on the rewards part, um, another thought I had is that e- even in games that don't have any meta currency, like I said, you can always like, you know, if they have spell points or spell slots, like maybe give them one of the low, lower level ones back or a small amount back, or they recover some hit points, a little bit, of hit, like whatever it is, you can always come up with something. Um, uh, and I think like Savage Worlds, I think most people think of this for travel and it is a really good way to break up travel. But again, I really, 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 really like interludes breaking up long combat, uh, combat after combat. And that's something as a GM that you can create. You can be like, hey, there's a small, like before we go in the room, there's a small alcove. Like, did you guys want to take a breath? We can run an interlude. Like you kind of can set that up that way. And then if you guys, you know, whoever does it, like usually I think it's also good to not just have one person often do it. You can have, not have the whole party do it necessarily. Because it might take too long. So a good thing to do, like, say if you were in a dungeon with three or four combats, this is your plan, right? Have an interlude between, you know, one and between one and two and then between like three and four or something and have like half the party in the first part and half the party in the second part. And then, like I said, you can reward, like you can do, you kind of set that up. Hey, you guys want to do an an interlude and then um, reward them in whatever way you can, right? There's always, like we said, there's always a way you can reward them. Um, Also, I think a tip here as far as uh, how you do it is that if you do have some more kind of shy people, have somebody that is the more vocal person do it first that you know will kind of be a better job at doing it because that that will often then ease some of the tension and also like inspire that person to kind of how they should do it or what they should do. So that's another kind of tip that I've seen at least is, is you always kind of, you know, let somebody do it. And if you're if they're having a lot of trouble as the game master, like if you have an NPC, right, have the NPC do a little interlude first. Again, this is kind of like showing how to do it. So you want to show the players how to do it. And so if you have an NPC, it's, it's a really good way to kind of break the ice into like, but, but always, but always yeah. offer the opportunity, but don't require it. Of course. Of course. Yeah. I just meant if there was like people were more shy or something, it's a good way to yeah, for sure. be like, Hey, sure. this is what we're looking for. Um, yeah. So, um, so that's kind of interludes as they come from Savage Worlds. How do you think, um, is there any other ways that this might be applicable to other games other than, you know, what kind of currency, um, you know, you're, you're kind of a Pathfinder guy. How would you use this in like a Pathfinder game? Um, I mean, I, I would use it the same way. I mean, honestly, it's so universal <laughs> that, uh, I mean, like you said, if a horror game, right? Any type of system, any type of genre, any type of mechanics, whether we're talking about super mechanical gamist type games or, you know, more simulationist or more just, you know, strictly narrative games. Obviously, with a narrative game, you probably don't need it as much. Like if we're talking about something like Fate or Apocalypse Engine or something um, like Monster Hearts or whatever, um, those games have such. A lo- but even then, I mean, the time for one person to reflect is 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 still you know, you're still carving out a space for that one person, especially in regards to backstories. So, um, yeah, I, now, I, I think it's pretty applicable universally. I mean, right. Yeah, I agree. Now, now one of my failings is I forget to use them all the time. I, I literally almost never run yeah. interludes. I just don't, 
don't think of them. So I, I, I step back constantly and go, okay, how do I get these in here? But it's like the gameplay you guys have is so intense generally. Yeah. And then you're, you're moving and then you start role playing with each other outside already to have those kind of, to have discussions that, um, th- that, that doesn't happen, even though you're on a spaceship, um, and there should be plenty of time to do that. So I don't know if you, uh, uh, from your perspective. So let's say you've got a game master who wants to implement them. What do, what are your thoughts on how they can, um, you know, sort of uh, trigger themselves to do it, or or you know, keep keep on top of that. I think I think a big thing is that you can write them in. I mean, write in where you think would be a good point for an interlude. And if you think about it when you're doing your prep, then you'll, then you will be able to carve that space out for yourself. Like I said, even between combats, like if you're in a dungeon, you can be like, Hey, there's a little alcove here and there's like a a fountain or something like whatever it is. Right. So there's some chairs. Did you guys want to catch a breather and run an interlude? And then like, you know, and you can explain maybe what the interlude is. So you can, you can always write it in. I mean, travel is the easiest one. I think it's just, I think it's just a prep thing. Like you, you just really have to, when you, when you think about you, you're writing your encounters, right? So just always have that idea in your head of, well, let's find a place for an interlude just every once in a while. Because um, like I said, it, it will, it brings another element to the game and it, and it makes the other, the, the kind of larger set pieces you're doing. It, it's such a nice counterpoint to that. Um, that often if you're going from a combat into a big set piece battle, you know, it's 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 never going to be as as fun. So I think definitely think if you especially with boss battles or big set pieces, whatever they are, try to have an interlude beforehand, because it'll be a really good way to ground the people and kind of like almost like meditative, right? It's almost like a we're recentering ourselves before going in. So I think if you stick to those kind of things, like before I do my big set pieces or during travel sequences, um, and also just doing it during prep, um, what are some of the ways that you can think of as far as? Well, and I think uh, you hit that nail on the head. It, it's it's really as you're building out the scenes, you know, here's the different scenes of the adventure kind of target that this is where, um, you know, there is this break that makes yeah. sense to do it. So like, like you said, and that's the thing I don't do, right? I'm, you know, I'm, well, my dirty little secret um, that I talk about a lot is I'm a low prep game master i spend i I try to avoid doing too much prep and i think this is a case where i should do a little bit more um so that's a great that's a a great input i'll have a counterpoint to that because the cool thing about interludes is that as a gm you don't need to do prep it's it's one of the only things that you can you truly don't have to do any prep besides let's do an interlude right and then you have two players doing it so it's actually a good way to be like oh crap i under prepared and and there's we need some more we stretch this out or something Throw in an interlude, right? I mean, it, it might, it's going to take five. It's only like five minutes. Uh, but then if you do like two during the whole session, that's 10 minutes, whatever. I mean, it can go a little bit longer than that. 10 minutes, 15 minutes. So it's still a good way that you don't have to do any prep for it. You're just setting the scene for the players and they take over. Um, yeah, I think I so, think yeah. I was uh, aligning with the fact that um, know where you're going to interject them within your prep. Yeah, but that, that's, yeah that, absolutely. That part, there's, yeah. It, I mean, the only prep you need to do for an interlude is is have your deck of cards. Yeah. Andy, when you talk about from a Savage, Savage Worlds, Worlds perspective. Um, um, and again, which, you, don't, you don't have to use the cards. Like you can literally just look at that. You can, hey, players, look at this. Choose one. Or, yeah. You know, yep. Yep. let's do a backstory one. Choose from those. And that's just going to, those are just examples. Um, another good 
part for point for interludes to happen is between if you think of it like if you think of your game like i mean often savage world just thought of like a movie right but if you think of your game as more like a book which i think carl you often think of it that way um yes or like in maybe like a play like i think you think of it more like a play where there's specific acts right well we talk about that a lot most people do but you have like chapters or acts like you have these arcs yes and you like to conclude the arcs so between arcs too is a really good time to have interludes or between you know but like we said well you might have downtimes if 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 the you know if, if it's like an arc has ended but the narrative is such that you don't have time to do like a month downtime for whatever reason you can still do an interlude there right it's still going to provide the same kind of thing Absolutely. of having that break between the arcs but it's but like in game time it's not you know you're not taking a month right so um that's another good time to kind of put them in there yeah i agree i think that's um it really comes down to any place there's a break in the action that isn't a long term. Like I'm I'm heading back to the city and I'm going to spend weeks doing something. It's it's you can grab this little narrative uh, flavor and let people kind of run with it um, and then reward them for it. Um, so any other um, so any other suggestions or tips other than what we've already talked about? Um, I mean, the, the only other thing I could think about is here is that like, you could even take this to a level of using, I mean, it, like we, we've talked, some of the games that I've shown, right, in my cool stuff, uh, I think yep. are, are related to RPGs. And I think that you could even, on some cases, even use some of those games, um, like, you know, the, <laughs> I, again, these, so this is not so much as a narrative break, but just another idea I had was like, for uh, Red Dragon Inn, right? You guys are all at the tavern. So here's another way of an interlude. You guys are all drinking. What is the drinking game that you do, right? So that's another interlude that you can have too. Is another narrative type of interlude. Is is it goes just beyond talking about backstories. It can also be something like that. Like you guys are all drinking and you do a drinking game, or that's another time for you to tell stories around the, around the drinking table. And then if you wanted to, you could use the Red Dragon Inn game and even have like a true true interlude of we're getting away from we're playing a whole other game, even though we're relating it to the um, you know, into the main game or like play a quick game of blackjack or something. Uh, and then, and then while you got, then like say a story. So I think you can really mix, you can have some really fun here as far as uh, bringing in some other mechanics to break up the action, especially like in a tavern, right? Where you can have the most fun of like, you guys actually sit down and play like a couple hands of poker or something. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and, yeah. Then, and then you say a story after the poker's done because you guys have been drinking. So you can really have fun with it and mix it up. I think. I mean, just think um, yeah. about, uh, you know, again, Savage Worlds, Deadlands is the, you know, yeah. the quintessential setting, man. Just think about playing Deadlands with your players and, you know, they're they're entering the tavern and it's like, yep, we're just going to sit down. We're going to play some poker and reminisce about that time that we all went after Big Bad Bart and took him <laughs> out. And just think about it. That would be so much fun. <laughs> yeah. It almost makes me want to do a Western game. But. <laughs> almost. <laughs> oh, Carl hates Westerns. Uh, yeah. Okay. I do not hate Western <laughs> games. What are you talking about? Right um yeah so i don't know i i think we've uh hit this topic pretty well it's it's a shorter episode well, but i think i think, we, I think that's okay uh, we, we have a good now i think we should talk about players here a little bit because from the players oh side, i forgot the players yeah, i forgot I, the players about the players he uh he, he hates players too no <laughs> players sure. get in the way of my games <laughs> true. all right go ahead we could just do what you want players. and be drones of your own consciousness um yeah i mean i mean tips <laughs> are players here i think that 
you know, I, I think most people who are listening to this podcast are probably not players. And if they are, they might not be as shy. I, I don't know. Maybe you are. But so I think here, maybe, you know, um, if your GM doesn't do interludes, I mean, you might even bring this up to them. Um, the other thing is that you can kind of, as yourself, kind of be like, hey, do you mind if we just take, uh, you know, word of combat? Like my character, I just come up to take a break and then like have a drink and maybe like, hey, uh, you know, uh, I don't know, I'm trying to think of a random character. Why is it so hard to think of? Like, I was like uh, Big Munch or something. Uh, uh, Munch. Okay, Gorgar, Gorgar, the, the orc. You're like, hey, Gorgar, hey, Gorgar. the barbarian. Oh yeah, Gorgar the barbarian. Uh, no, he's not a barbarian. Gorgar uh, doesn't. He doesn't fit the normal. Uh, he, he's actually a wizard. So Gorgar the wizard. He's like, hey, Gorgar. Um, I heard you talking about your like, you know, that school, the arcane school that you went to. Like, what was it like you were there as an orc? I, I don't. I don't think many orcs are there, right? So you yourself, as a player, if you want to encourage this, can like, you know, you. You can, you know, and obviously don't do it at the worst time, but you can bring it up, right? You can be like, hey, like, and so that is, in a, in a way, you're kind of making interlude because you're, you're just reading the prompt of somebody to, to be kind of talking a little bit about their backstory here. Um, and again, we always and, look and at interludes you do that. Yeah. Yeah, I do that. And yeah, you do that, like, I do that a lot in games, You actually. purposely <laughs> try to engage with other characters and, um, like, in the game we're playing now, you have a history with another character where you guys had books written about you yeah. and you're always kind of prodding and saying, but what do we do in that book? What, what was that, you know, what happened there? And, and it, so that's pretty cool. Yeah. You definitely could do that as a player. Yeah. And I do that in other games too. I find myself doing that sometimes with people who I don't like, I'm like, okay, I want to know more about the backstory and I, they haven't had the chance to, so I might just kind of bring it up occasionally. Um, but as far as you yourself doing them, um, you know, I, I think, you know, again, relax, give yourself a break. It's, it's really anything you do is going to be good. If you're having trouble, like, of course, you know, that this is the, this is the good time to really talk about your backstory, but I mean, go out on a limb, you know, make something up. It doesn't have to maybe fit your backstory. I've had a lot of characters where I've maybe written a backstory, but then I've kind of improv something and that becomes part of the character. And that's been often in like kind of interlude type scenes. So I think that you can often, you know, use one of these as a framework that can really help. Um, Use your backstory. And then you could also ask, like, hey, what would you want to hear about? Like, ask somebody else. Like, get, have them give you a prompt if you're kind of struggling to come up with something. Um, uh, yeah, I mean, what, what can you think of as far as, far as players' uh, kind of advice for this? Well, I, I think you hit it. But, I mean, the big thing is there's no wrong answers yeah. when we're talking about – it's just an opportunity to – to talk about um, your backstory or to talk about an interesting time, you know, in your travels or, or whatever, and just have fun with it. And it doesn't even have to match your backstory. Like you said, yeah. you can make up something, you could change your backstory on the fly, basically, with, um, you know, with this conversation and, and or, or you're making something up even, and it's not quite true, and that's fine too, I, I, right? I, I had a character who, uh, he kind of had like a, a, a pirate queen mother, um, and he was a woodcarver uh, fighter. Uh, but then he, he like, I, I, we were having like an interlude moment, and I brought up something like, oh, this my other like sibling or this sibling. They're like, how many siblings do you have? And I was like, I have like 45 siblings or something. And then it stretched out from there with this, this pirate queen, like who's it was an elf and was like, <laughs> like just, just going all over the place and just had so many kids and was like this, like, you know, this like uh, famous pirate, you know, whatever. So it just like, it really like, I did not write that in and then it just blew up from there. That it was like a really, really fun part of the character that, that people like to have. So, so every port you ran into, you had a relative. I had some type of relative right? or like some crazy story that applied. Yeah. So I like it really stretched out that part of my backstory. So it was a really fun thing that came out of that kind of random um, 
when I was honestly just telling like a story about this, you know, what this what happened this one time, and then that kind of grew from there. So, yeah, I mean, have fun with it. Don't don't be afraid to stretch it out. <clears throat> yeah, very cool, very cool. So, all right. Um, so, did we hit all the salient points now? I think so. I believe so. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Awesome. Awesome. Well, hey, thanks everyone for tuning in. And I hopefully you got something out of it. Uh, remember to drop by MasteringTheRPG.com to learn more about our projects and uh, contact and support us. Uh, please email GameMaster at MasteringTheRPG.com. If you've got questions, you need some advice, um, we always say that Eric would love to adjudicate um, issues in your, t- in your party or whatever. Um, and you can also catch us on Twitter at MasteringTheRPG, um, all one word. Um, and hey, if you like what you're hearing, give us a positive review, um, podcatcher of your choice. Um, I also look at the subscription numbers. So hey, subscribe or follow or whatever your podcaster says, because it's kind of fun to watch those numbers go up. So once again, this is Carl with Eric. And I'll say, say goodbye, guy. Uh, goodbye. And- <laughs>